humanitarian, concerned with or seeking to promote human welfare. This week, we are talking about the humanitarian Christ. Many circles of Christianity have become exclusive. They help the needs of those inside their circles and sadly so often turn a blind eye to those outside. We've become an echo chamber talk about our own struggles, our own shortcomings, our own good and bad, but we don't take a moment to glance outside our walls and see all that's happening around us. It's easy to hate on those who believe differently than us or those who persecute us, but we're not called to do that at all. You see, it's not enough just to be a Christian. We have to be a humanitarian Christian, representing the love that Christ has for his people. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert. A safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And we are your hosts. This is episode 59. And today we are talking about the humanitarian Christ. How humanitarianism and Christianity play off of each other, their differences, and what to take away from both of them. But before we get into today's topic, we have just a couple of things. And the first one is this. The entire year of 2019, Elaine had on her heart for it to be a year of community. Now, I know we all have our own private communities wherever we're at locally, and that's fantastic and so important. But if you feel like you have a place or you're lacking a place where you can come and just ask questions freely, you have things on your mind, your heart, you're just looking for something else and a way to get uh, connected with new people, we want to invite you to join our community, the Reckless Community. It's on Facebook. The links are in the show notes below. And also, we are pretty active on Reddit as well. We're looking at starting some community stuff there that I'll be heading up. But we just want you to know that we want to hear you, and you are more than welcome to join, and we would love to have you a part And guys, I just want to clarify that we don't want to just invite you to our group just so that we would have more numbers. We want to have an authentic relationship with you the best we can. We want to hear from you and your thoughts and your opinions and the things that you are struggling with as well. This isn't just the Cody and Elaine show. We want it to be that open community and the open conversations that we all have. Also, just a quick announcement We are working on a video project called Project Outcast, and it is quite literally a visual representation of what the Reckless Pursuit is about, and that is going to be coming your way hopefully sometime in the next month or so, just pending weather and filming schedule and all of that, but we just wanted to give you a quick heads up that this is something that's in the works. And if you go to therecklesspursuit.com forward slash Project Outcast, Project Outcast is all one word, so therecklesspursuit.com forward slash Project Outcast, 
You can sign up to be notified when this is coming out. You can get more info on people who are involved in the project and just what uh, what it is. And we would love for you to just go and take a you know take a second to check that out and share it on with some friends because it's going to be a really cool thing. And we are pouring our guts out uh, <laughs> into this project um, just to give people a visual representation to show that they're not alone so once again that's the recklesspursuit.com forward slash project outcast and links for that are in the show notes below and with that let's get right into today's topic on the humanitarian christ so yesterday i was vacuuming the house how every good story starts right i was vacuuming the house because we have a husky who sheds a lot and the dog hair was piling up like snow piles up on the side of a road that has been recently uh plowed and so it was getting really bad and i was vacuuming and i don't even know what caused this thought to pop into my head but i literally just thought of the title of this episode it's the humanitarian christ and i obviously like i know what humanitarianism is and i know what Christianity is, but I don't know why, but I just had this random thought of like, wow, Christ really cares about humanity. And that may seem like a, a duh thing, like, well, obviously Christ cares about humanity, but I, I don't know why. It just, it was profound to me in that moment of like, wow, God really does care, you know, a lot about humanity. That is his creation. We are his creation. And and there's a huge desire there. And so I started doing a bit of research on just humanitarianism and just Christianity and how those play together. There's a lot of good Christian humanitarian organizations out there and a lot of resources. But then there was also a lot of articles arguing against humanitarianism from a Christian perspective. And at first I was like, well, this is just, you know, splitting hairs. I mean, this is it's kind of ridiculous. Like, why are we having to uh, be so particular about um, our titles. And while I still think that part is ridiculous, there was actually a couple of decent points brought up in these articles about the differences. And while I don't really get offended if someone were to call my efforts humanitarian, uh, at the same time, I understand what they were trying to say. So we just want to bring a little bit of light to this topic. Uh, there's a lot of debate going around about how Christians should act. And of course, you have just a lot of people fizzering off from evangelicalism and they're getting burnt out with the whole idea of go and make disciples because it's getting, I don't know, maybe a bit repetitive, maybe a bit redundant, maybe a bit aggressive even in its efforts. And a lot of people are pushing more toward humanitarian action, and I think there's a balance to both, and we're just going to talk a little bit about that today on this episode. So the difference between being a Christian and a humanitarian is basically where the focus is going towards. If you're a Christian, it's relating to Christianity, being Christ, sharing the gospel, sharing the Great Commission. It's all for Christ, whereas a humanitarian is concerned with human welfare. It's for people, it's doing the greater good, it's doing great works, kind of philanthropy work. And so a Christian, from the b very basic concept, a Christian is concerned with somebody's soul 
and a humanitarian is concerned around a person's physical environment. Well, and I think that's like traditionally how we've kind of pigeonholed both of those things, but I don't necessarily think that is how it should be. And just real quick, I want to clear up one thing. Um, I don't think many people will have this mistake, but we're not referring to humanism. Humanism is the belief that humans are the sole most important thing and all there is no God like humans are it. And they're like, it's disregarding any deity, anything like that. So it's not humanism, um, humanitarianism specifically talking about doing good and just trying to better people. So just like what Elaine was saying, you know, humanitarianism is focused on people, the betterment of people, their environment, making them more comfortable, more adept to have the resources they need to live. And Christianity, in theory, is focused on people's souls. It's, it's focused on people learning who Christ is and what he has to offer. And the thing is, you can, a lot of people will say that, like, you can be a humanitarian and not a Christian, but you can't be a Christian and not a humanitarian. And I think that's a really good point. It's a really valid point that you can you can do good things and not in the name of Christ, but ultimately as a Christian, it is our responsibility to do both. Now, the problem comes, and here's, I guess, kind of the breakdown or one of the major shortcomings is in Christianity, and especially, uh, especially evangelical Christianity, we have stopped focusing on the needs of others and we've strictly gone to a verbal sharing of the gospel and that's really that's a really dangerous thing to me and, and let's just talk about that for a second we have taken the idea of showing the love of Christ and we have whittled it down to telling people about Jesus and while yes it's important to share the love of Christ, just tell people about Jesus. Like that's an important thing. Let's be honest. The opportunity just to tell someone about Jesus is seldom the thing that's going to push someone into Christianity. We've talked about this before, but so many things in life are little actions that are building up to the point of someone coming to know Christ for themselves. And it's not about trying to just shove Christ down people's throats. It's literally about trying to to build them up into a place where they can experience him for themselves. And a lot of the conservative Christian circle nowadays is focused on using God as a political outlet. It's focused on sharing, you know, things about Christ in the just blanketed statements and like, I love God, I love this, and I love my freedom, and blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes to actually helping others, it becomes very selfish. And it becomes very introspective, and well, these people aren't doing anything for themselves, or we're going to hate Muslims because there's um, an, an abnormally large percent of Muslims are uh, radicalized and they're just hate-filled mongers, so they must all be bad. So we're going to blanket statement all of them, and uh, we're cutting them off from the ability to hear about Christ because they don't want to hear it, and they're all evil and they all hate us. Or there's a large percent of this demographic of people that behave this certain way, so they must all be like that. Or even on the flip side all white people don't know how to listen to others' points of view and they all think they're right or 
all African, uh, African-American people are violent because of the violent tendencies in parts of their culture, you know, or all Indians are alcoholics who have no desire. Like there's just these weird blanketed statements that are just kind of like these racist blanketed statements. And while you may be sitting there thinking like, wow, that's really extreme. I agree, but it happens. And those are real things that happen. And so in our conservative Christian circles, at least we kind of, um, turn a blind eye to minorities, turn a blind eye toward anyone who doesn't fit our social profile, who doesn't look and behave our certain way, or even to people who don't fit our financial status. You know, we think about homeless people and it's easy to get bitter uh, towards the homeless because, oh, they just they just want something for nothing or people who are down on their luck or on welfare or any of these other key topics. It's easy to look at them and to pigeonhole them into one certain way and to turn a blind eye to them and go strictly to, well, if they don't behave like Christ, then there's nothing we can do for them. And we turn an, uh, you know, a blind eye and a deaf ear to real needs in this world and just go to a straight verbal gospel where there is no humanitarian effort and we create these social tears there can be a huge pride issue amongst, generally speaking, the Christians, whenever you have that viewpoint of like, if you're not following Christ, you're automatically bad and evil, because we can almost overemphasize helping someone's soul. For one, we can't save somebody's soul. Like we can guide them to follow Christ, but ultimately we did not save anybody's soul. But also it kind of goes along the line of, if you have the viewpoint, you would almost think that, well, maybe if they just prayed more, if they like, why should I help the homeless people? They should just pray about their circumstances and God will just bless them. Like there is so much power in prayer. It is so important and so necessary and so needed, but there's also power in helping people meeting their needs. You can't just write somebody off with a prayer and say, okay, I did my deed. Just like you can't write somebody off with a $100 bill and say, okay, I did my deed. Like there is a relationship that you have to have. But when you start making blanket statements about people who aren't followers of Christ or who are down on their luck, there becomes this huge pride issue. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And it it gets easy. It's really simple and easy because, you know, we can get so caught up in our lives And trying to take care of ourselves, and let's be honest, a lot of us, you know, we may have our own financial struggles, our own relational struggles, we have our own things to be concerned about, and it's just, it's difficult to be concerned about the well-being of others. And it's easy from a Christian standpoint, when prayer honestly is, it's, it's a super valuable tool, it's a, you know, that relationship between you and Christ is, is the utmost importance, and, and that is ultimately the desire of Christians is to have other people understand that they can have that relationship with Christ as well. But just using prayer can so many times uh, be used as a cop-out, and prayer becomes almost like um, a shield to block yourself from having to do work. And it's easy. It's simple. It's easy. It's a great Christian cop-out to keep from having to do anything. Now, sure, you also have to understand that not everybody can meet everybody's needs, especially even as Christians. Like you can't always 
donate money. You can't always go buy groceries. You can't always volunteer and serve. But you should pray for those people who are down on their luck, but also help them where you can. And even if you cannot physically be present and help them, you can still guide them in the right direction of people who can. It's kind of the whole thing of if you have someone in your life, in your circle, and let's, you know, let's just make this a simple thing. They have a, a problem. Maybe they've been laid off from work. Maybe they have had a loss in their family. It's easy to say, oh, I'm praying for you. And honestly, that's a good thing. You should. Now, first and foremost, will you take the time to pray with them right then? Or is that just an excuse to try to not have to do anything? And sometimes we don't even realize we're using it as an excuse. It's just such a default a de facto thing we kind of go to. You have some... One like equals one prayer. No, don't ever. <laughs> I hate those things so much. That's kind of what that is. No, though. it really is though. It's 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 easy to say I'll pray for you and not have to actually do any work. But instead of just saying I'll pray for you, it's I'll pray for you and what can I do? Can I listen? Can I bring you a meal? Can I, you know, can I offer you just a shoulder to cry on. What can I do for you? And sometimes there's nothing we can do, but just be there for people. You know, sometimes people don't need to hear just, I'm praying for you. Sometimes they need to hear, wow, that really sucks. You're justified to be upset right now. That's okay. God gets it. We get it. Like, you have that ability. Like, you're free to be upset with the loss of someone. You're free to be um in turmoil because you lost your job. Now, ultimately, yes, we should be steering people back to having faith and relying on God and all of this. But what good are we to uh, to anyone if we're not willing to be the hands and feet of Christ like we were called to be? You know, in James, show me uh, your faith and I'll show you my works. There is a little bit of both. We are called to do. We're not just called to be. And now the problem is a lot of times that can be abused. A lot of um, Christian circles abuse that whole like, oh, well, you're called to do. And they make it out to be like, oh, well, you have to do this to this for this organization, this mega church, whatever it is. You have to go and you have to serve this way. And that's your, your act of service. And that's your humanitarian effort because you're collecting offering and you're you know, volunteering in the children, all this stuff, and it just goes on and on, and that's not it at all. True Christianity, true Christian humanitarian effort is honestly discipleship, and now I know that word can have a really ugly rap right now, especially if you're coming from a place of like, ooh, I don't want to talk about church, I don't want to talk about discipleship, but what was discipleship in, in the, you know, the actual complete context of it? It was Jesus getting alone with his close group and pouring into them, being there for each other, learning along the way and and honestly growing together. Whenever they had struggles, they could talk to each other. They could call out to him and say, hey, how do I handle this situation? It was feeding the 5,000 twice, feeding the multitude twice. You know, it was healing, praying for people, going and meeting needs. It wasn't just a bunch of people traveling the hillside all the time, praying and doing this and doing that. There was humanitarian effort throughout the entire New Testament. It it speaks of how we should be there for one another. I have heard this term a couple of times from several different authors and speakers, and you don't always have to say the name Jesus 
in order to show people who Jesus was, in order to talk about Jesus. You don't always have to be so like explicit about it. If you are doing God's work, you know, as Christians, we're called to love God and love people and everything else follows suit underneath that. And if you are loving God and you are loving people, then ultimately you are doing God's work. Yeah, and it's just, it's interesting because we just, we live in a culture and a society where even though we're hyper-connected via internet and social media and all of the different things that we have going, that ability to be hyper-connected has also led us to being desensitized to real needs. And that's just, I think that's just one of the biggest, um, I don't know if it's poison or weeds or... Uh, one of the biggest like just growths of negativity uh, just growing through just Christian circles right now is just the de desensitization of someone else's well-being. Now I want to flip this for a second and just go to the humanitarian side of things because there is a lot of people also claiming, oh, well, you can just be a humanitarian and do good deeds. You know, like, my Christianity, like, I don't need to be a Christian to care about people. And while this is true, there's the big lack in in just humanitarianism as well, and that's the lack of caring for someone's spiritual well-being. A lot of humanitarian efforts are beautiful things that go out and help people, but then they just leave them there, and it creates a better environment for them, but it doesn't give them anything sustainable going forward. And there has to be a balance of both and that's just the beauty of what Christianity is supposed to be, is it's a balance. It's caring about not just the physical, not just the spiritual, but also the emotional and the mental well-being. It's it's the whole, you know, bodily trinity, trinity the mind, the body, and the soul. And you're we are supposed to just be there for all of those needs. Now, yes, it's impossible for one person to meet all of those needs, but as a body— you know, if Christians were coming together to do the work properly, we wouldn't have the issues that we have where the government is trying to fill the slack. Uh, we wouldn't, in a perfect world, and of course, obviously, we don't live in that, but we wouldn't need government to help people who are down on their luck. We wouldn't need these programs like that because, honestly, let's let's just be real. The government's never going to run those programs appropriately because it's it's a governing entity. It's not designed to be able to do that in its creation perfectly but as a whole the church is and that is the embodiment of christ is to be not just there for someone's spirit but there for someone's physical needs too because uh honestly christ was a humanitarian he literally the story of jesus dying on the cross to bear someone's transgressions that they can live free outside of their slavery. That is the ultimate humanitarian effort on the spiritual side, feeding 5,000 people with physical food and then teaching them about Christ as well or showing them the love and teaching. That's feeding, that's giving a physical need and a spiritual need, and Christ was all about that. So what it basically boils down to is those authentic relationships that you have with people, those people that you're in your community where, like you said, not everyone can meet everyone's needs, but as the body, as the community, as a whole, everyone can play a part in helping someone else, whether that be prayer, whether that be a physical need of paying, helping pay somebody's bills or buying groceries or being there for them if somebody passed away in their family and 
all kinds of stuff. And when you don't have those authentic relationships, it just becomes a temporary fix to a deeper rooted problem. Whenever you are just meeting the physical needs, you're not meeting the emotional and mental needs and the spiritual needs of, sure, you may have helped somebody pay their bills that month, but if you just give them a $100 bill and then walk away, if you give somebody a church tract pamphlet thing and then walk away, you're not having that relationship. You're not getting their name. You're not saying, how can I help you in the long run? How can I help this situation not happen again? Or how can I help you when it does happen again? And that's where that community, whether the Christian community or whatever community that you have, whether in a church or an organization, but that's where those authentic relationships flourish. Well, and I think a big thing, and of course, I know some of you listening may be thinking like, maybe this is a little trivial. Like, yeah, obviously we're supposed to be both. Yeah. Okay, cool. The reason we're bringing this to light so much is because it's become a real problem in Christian circles. And, you know, I hope and pray like your circle may not have this issue, but it's become a very real thing. And the problem really has become, uh, it's because the church is on the defense right now. We have become a very defensive religion it's always trying to defend our ways of belief instead of adapting and growing and and furthering our efforts. We let things get under our skin. We come under attack, and we just allow it to to control, honestly, the way we respond, and it makes us look like we're very hate-filled and angry when that's not, honestly, like pretty much any Christian out there. I would hope, you know, deep down the root is realizing, like, we're not a religion of hate and anger and everything else, but we've become that. We've become super aggressive in our defense, and it's caused us to be very introspective. It's easy to meet the needs of a fellow you know, Christian, but it's hard to reach outside of that circle. And honestly, Christianity has an echo chamber atmosphere just as much as any political circle does right now. We go in, we all talk about how great we are, uh, how great we're doing. We talk about our F, you know, our struggles and all that stuff. And we feel like we're building positive influence and, and sure it's not bad. It's good within those circles, but there's more to it. There's more to it than just going out and telling someone about Christ too. It's easy just to pass around words. What's real is, you know, you kind of have this division of like, oh, you're not supposed to be friends with those types of people. You're not supposed to commune with those types of people because They'll negatively influence your faith. And that's not, that's just garbage. Like, that's I mean, literally the opposite of Jesus. Right. Look at the people he hung out with, and he was obviously the strongest of them in their faith. And, and here's the thing is like, sure, all this stuff is common sense, but think about your Christian circles and see, and you can just kind of see pretty quickly how readily um, this stuff happens. It's, it's all around us. Of we, become an echo chamber for our faith, and we don't allow anyone else to come in and pick apart why we believe what we believe. We don't allow ourselves to question uh, our own motives and our own thoughts, and we don't allow ourselves to progress. And it takes getting out of our shell, out of our comfort zone, and going out and just being there for people. And you can, you know, we may sit here and ask, like, well, what can I, what can one person do? Maybe you don't have the money to give. You don't have the ability to do all that. Be present for people. You know, 
ask God to show you as you're just walking through the store what you can do. And I, I, I don't mean this to say like, I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes here, but unless God just blatantly says it to you, and I just don't think he works this way a lot, most of the time it's not like walk up to someone and be like, Jesus loves you. And like, that's really... That's, that's aggressive. It's a very aggressive tactic. You know, it's show the love of Christ. Show God through your efforts and your actions and your faith will be made known. It is a, an accumulative effort God has the ability to intervene through you, and He, uh, as a Christian, we are to just to emanate His, His grace, His love, His compassion. And when you are just accepting and loving of someone despite their circumstances, that shows the true love of Christ. That's why we have a whole group of homosexuals out there right now who completely despise Christianity because all they've been shown is hatred, hatred, hatred for their lifestyle. And people argue, well, how are we supposed to accept people whenever it goes against our religion? And that's not the conversation we're trying to get into right now, but I will say this. It is not our place to judge our fellow brothers, our place to love those people, to love every one of us, because we all have areas we are struggling in. We are all equally trying to pursue Christ together. And whenever you embody that, now sure, did Jesus call out people when they were in sin? Yes, he did. But a lot of times, who was he calling out? He was calling out those closest to him. He was calling out those in his community he had an established relationship with. And that's really where discipleship comes in. It's not a weapon to say, oh, I'm going to try to mold you into who I want. It's to actually come into a relationship with someone and then being able to teach them how to better their spiritual self. But you can't teach someone to better their spirit if you don't first start by showing them compassion, by start by actually showing them that you care about them as a person because you have no repertoire with them otherwise. I'm not going to take instruction from someone who has not earned to give me instruction, and I'm not going to take harsh criticism either. It's just not how I function. It takes building a relationship with someone before you can ever meet a spiritual need. You have to first meet a mental or a physical need. And if you don't believe what we're saying, I mean, let's just go to the Bible, 1 John 3, 17. But if anyone has the the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's like, that's a super powerful verse to me. It's basically saying that how can you try to show the love of God to someone else if the love of God is not in you? Because obviously, closing off the needs of those around you, knowing you can in turn help them, shows that the love of God doesn't even abide in you. Acts 20, 35, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Hebrews 13, 16, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, there's the other side of this also, and Elaine, you were touching on that a little bit. We also can't neglect people's spirits. We can't neglect uh, praying for people and to be there for them spiritually as well. Matthew 6, 1 through 4 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For when you 
for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, uh, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have not uh, that they have received their reward already. But when you do give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will, will reward you. There's the opposite to that, too. You can't just do humanitarian efforts. It You can't rely solely on your efforts and neglect the Spirit. And that's the beauty of Christianity is there's a balance to meet every single need, and it's just by being available to people. So to start summing this up, how do the two relate? Ultimately, we have a larger responsibility to show the love of Christ by our actions. And honestly, a verbal gospel is low on the priority list of how to share Christ. God is first shown and then he is heard. God is first given uh, on a physical level or a mental level. He's made available through us. If we are called to be a light, if, you know, Go and let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. If we're called to be a light, a light is something seen, then it is felt. You know, you have to, it is something that is, it is received. It comes in through the eyes. It is witnessed. It is experienced. Uh, It's something that you feel the warmth of. It's something that embraces someone. And so ultimately, Our goal is to first show and by our efforts, by our actions, the truth of Christ can then be um, able to be be heard because honestly, it takes that connection first. And without that first connection, uh, God is never going to be received. And it's great to tell people that Jesus loves you because yes, Jesus loves every single one of us. But when you don't exemplify that love, when you don't give credibility to that love or when you don't have personal experiences of how God showed you his love and you're not showing that love to others, just simply telling people Jesus loves you, people want more. They want to know why Jesus loves them. They want to know how Jesus loves them. And and just here's a couple things too, and I'm talking specifically to those of us in Christian circles. And if you know someone or if you are that person who's posting things online about hating Muslims because they hate us, you're not showing the love of Christ. We have every right to call that kind of stuff out. That is not what Christianity is about. If you see someone hating on someone else's religion or someone else's uh, even sexual orientation or anything like that, it is not our place to judge those people. And by doing so, we're literally doing the devil's work. And it is our place. We have the ability to protect those people. There are wolves among sheep, and a lot of them come disguised, you know, wolves disguised as sheep. And there are people who think somehow that they're doing the work of Christ. And it is our job to lovingly try to show them elsewise while defending those very people whom they are attacking. And we, as a as a group of people who are trying to ins- exemplify Christ, can never stoop so low as to not show someone love. Whenever Jesus expressed, how are we to forgive 70 times 7? You know, how are we to, what are we to do whenever we are attacked to turn the other cheek? 
while yes, that doesn't mean get ran over. It doesn't mean constantly put yourself in harm's way. It does mean we are supposed to be defenders of those, even those who don't share our faith, because that is who Christ is. God desires to show love to all of his creation, and we can't do that while attacking someone for attacking us or constantly being in the defense because we come across as uh, just an exclusive group hoarding something to ourselves, and it has to be something freely given. Even if what we give out freely is taken to the extreme, even if, and what do I mean by that? Even if someone is coming up and abusing the fact that we are giving out freely, we're still called to give. Does that mean that you have to keep giving money to someone who is just squandering your money away? No, but also think about the the uh, parable of the prodigal son. He was given his inheritance early, and when he came back, what happened? He was given more. He squandered all his money away, but what happened? He was blessed with what his father had left. People are going to take. They're going to abuse. They're going to abuse our our good works, just as they're going to abuse uh, the words we say. But as long as we keep pouring out in love, God will use that to reveal himself to them in a way that our actions or our words alone could never, never truly sum up. So the question that we want to be thinking about this week is how can I, being me, being Cody, whoever you are listening, how can I be a better steward to those around me to show Christ beyond my words, but also in my actions? How can I represent who Christ truly is? How can I show those around me to strangers on the street, to people in the grocery store, to people who are hurting and in need? How can I personally be a better steward? And honestly, a little challenge to go with that is simply this. Just watch as you go out and try to show the love of Christ this week. As you go out and actually try to do good for those around you and watch how God uses that as opposed to just throwing out like something on Facebook or as opposed to just the aggressive stances we take with Christianity. Open yourself up to the needs of those and to the hurt of those and to the desires of those around you. You'll be amazed at how God can actually begin to start using that. Guys, we're here and we want to talk. Once again, the Reckless community is linked up in the show notes below. We would love to have you a part. If this episode or any of our episodes seem like your cup of tea, we would love for you to go and click that subscribe button to stay informed of all of our episodes as soon as they come out. And also, if you wouldn't mind, go and leave an honest review. It helps us to know what you guys enjoy and how we can do better moving forward to serve you. If you've been listening to this and it reminds you of someone and you really think that they could use to hear this, send them a message and drop this link. We want to have this conversation with as many people as possible, and word of mouth is the best way to spread this message. And as always, we love you guys. Be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk soon.